So this episode, episode 22, will be the last one for the time being. Thank you to everyone that has been supporting our podcast and following our content. Sadly, we do not believe that there are currently enough interactions and support from the development team uh, in terms of our content. So we will happily return to the podcast when there is a greater justification for our efforts and time investment. Once again, we really appreciate anyone that has been supporting us so far. And thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Today is episode 22 of the podcast. Today, we will be going over an Anoxia kill by Reaver. He had the lowest army kill so far. I believe he it was, what, 24.2? Something like that, 24.8. But that is huge. Uh, we also are going to talk about the state of the game. And our opinions on where the game is, for me, this is a, a touchy subject. I, I feel it's going to be a touchy subject for all of us because this gives us a platform to really speak about how we feel about the game right now. Even though we all love it, there are some issues that I know I have with the game at the moment. So moving forward, uh, good morning, Gora. How's, how's your week so far? Ah, uh, yeah, good morning. My week's been pretty good. It's glad to get to Friday afternoon. It was a tiring week, but apart from that, it was good. Got a lot of stuff done around the farm. Spanner, how's your week? Uh, and just to confirm, Soul Reaver, it was twenty four point nine. That was his army level when when he killed Onyxia. Yeah, it was a good week. Everybody in the guild's been killing Onyxia left, right, and center. Still waiting to hear people not from our guild killing on X. Still waiting uh, to see the devs uh, interacting and uh, showing like some kind of uh, uh, feedback from the efforts that our guild are uh, doing with stuff like that and actually testing the game. But you know, maybe they are too busy to acknowledge anything, and that's it. And it was uh, overall was a good week. There's not much more to add except that uh, Trixie couldn't be here today. So for me. Uh... Pretty uh, laid-back week, pretty easy work week for me. Uh, starting to get into the swing of things week four at the new job. Uh, right now it's uh, kind of raining outside, so it sucks. There is a Christmas parade I am going to on Sunday. Hopefully the rain holds up for that. It's uh, about a two-mile parade from what I've been told. So that should be interesting. So we're going to go over the state of game as we see it individually. Uh, for me, uh, I haven't really touched the game as much as I was before. As you know, I'm not streaming. Um, and that's because I'm the game for me is a love-hate thing at the moment. It's like I want to play it. I do play it here and there. But... I know everything's going to be reset, and I I don't want to put time into a game that it's it's going to be erased, even though we're testing and and helping out the devs. Uh, the other thing is is I am not a PvP fan. I do not like the direction they're going with PvP. Um, I'm sure Gora and ArcLight Spanner will. Uh, We'll uh, talk to that more. I know they have some of their own uh, comments on that. For me, what's going to make or break the game is the raids. Like, I want that Anoxia type of feeling, but with others. 
uh, playing together and talking. And I'm kind of curious what kind of rewards that's going to give because if I continued to play like I did at the start of beta, I would be completely maxed out on all the heroes, uh, the valor. I would have all the talents. I would have all the characters. And really, there wouldn't be much more to play towards. So I really hope they really think out raids and what the rewards are. And they it's something good. And also for the clans, some kind of to bring the clans together. Because right now, there's nothing. You're just in a clan. You're just sitting there. It's... You're not gaining any points. It's not like you're versing other clans. So these things are going to make or break the game for me. It's either I'm going to like it and I'm going to stay around and play or I'm going to walk away and try something else. What do you guys think? Yeah, I can totally understand what uh, Tap is saying. I completely un understand his current emotions about the game. I... Uh, share a lot of his feelings and concerns and uh, I also think PvP it's not that great at the moment I like the idea behind the systems they are trying to build but in actual practicality the act of playing the game it doesn't feel fun or rewarding I know that the honor rating system doesn't really mean that much at the moment but it's part of the reason why people want to play to test the the feeling of climbing the ladder and right now the ratios are a bit of a joke. For example, myself, yesterday I was playing against the best PvP player I know in the world, Fieldsy. And every time he beat me, he, I lose 60 honor. And every time I beat him, I gain one honor. So anybody out there listening to this podcast, let me know at what point do I start to have fun trying to climb the ladder with these kind of ratios. If the game allows us to be matched, it should be a bit more respectful of my time by giving us a bit more realistic honor rewards when you when you win or when you lose. So that's, that's PvP. In terms of dungeons, I'm okay with the dungeons. Uh, they just need to add more variety, maybe tweak a couple of fights, which feel extremely overpowered with three gargoyles spawning at the same time and things like that. In terms of the... PV campaign is extremely short. There is a massive gap between 65 Skulls and Onyxia, which, if it's not addressed, will lead to many people leaving the game because not everybody will have the patience to be grinding content for weeks in between killing a Blackrock Mountain area and Onyxia. In terms of surge modes, surge modes are fun, are they are a good attempt, but they are starting to become a bit too repetitive. Some of them, you can win them even if you cover your screen and just put the units in the battlefield without having any idea what's happening. You will still win the game if you do that. And then on the other side of the coin, some of them give you combinations which make you want to pull your hair out thinking how you're going to beat certain maps where you have flying units coming against you and you have no way to, to respond to that. So... I think the heart is in the right place, the, the developers. I think they are trying their best to make this an interesting game and an inclusive game. However, sometimes the, the performance is not that great and the result, it doesn't look like it's fantastic. And I'm not sure if the game will actually pick up and be successful unless there is some sort of something that clicks uh, over there in that office 
And I think the occasional lack of communication with the player base and disregard for their feedback, it's also a really bad sign. And it is translating in some of the systems that are coming out in the game. And not even talking about the monetization system, which is a bit scary to me at the moment. The, the testing to increase the amounts of gold that you can buy per week. Yeah, I'm trying to stay positive. There's a lot of things I like about this game and the community. But uh, some things really scare me and uh, I even sometimes uh, find myself thinking if this is the game that I will be playing in 10 years time. I really want to, but I'm not sure that the way the game is going, it's going to lead to that. What about you, Gor? Uh, yeah, so PvP, I think it would be a lot better if you have, say, 100,000 players to pull from for PvP matches and not the bots that are literally tuned to cheat uh, at the high honor levels. I can see the reasoning behind it to try and replicate uh, players like Fieldsy essentially being, you know, your top 1% or top 5% even. It just doesn't feel good though to play against at the moment. And then Becky had the game versus Fieldsy and we lost 60 honor per loss and gained one honor per win. So you're saying that your honor level was around 7,000 with your Jaina, and he was around 4,000 with his leader. Yeah, I was around 8,000 and a little bit, and he was around 4,000, yeah. Yeah, so he's literally half your honor level with that leader, but Fieldsy's skill as a player is probably the best, or he'll be in the top like one or two players in beta currently. It's like if Fieldsy goes and plays a new leader, he'll be versing the lowest players. Even though he'll climb quickly, the people that he'll verse will not feel like it was a fair game at all. Like, and what happens if we have, like, say, 50 of Fieldsies, like, all leveling up a new leader at the same time? And there's a like a bronze or silver or gold ranked player that versus those 50 players basically in a row like in a very unfortunate scenario looking at the worst case possible scenario that player is going to have a very low win percentage for those games played while better players climb through the ranks uh, maybe this will sort itself out a bit more once the first season has gone through but i'm just worried about new players being stomped repetitively by high-ranked players as they climb through. And given your situation there, Spanner, it feels quite unfortunate that there is such a massive gap between points lost to points gained versus the same player, just based purely on how much honour you've grinded with that particular leader in that particular season. So maybe the matchmaking in PvP needs to be tightened up so you don't lose 60 honor, you lose maximum of 30, but you gain a minimum of 15. That would be a much more fair win-loss ratio of honor, I think, than 60 to 1. Yeah, I agree with you. But maybe it's just a limitation in beta play numbers. And the parameters being more slack to try and create some matches 
between player versus player, not player versus bot, 99% of the time. So we'll have to just, I think this is a wait and see situation in PvP until literally everyone is playing against another player um, instead of bots, which cheat at higher levels. Personally, I'm just logging in every day and doing surges, daily quests for the XP times, and the dungeon once a week. And that's about it, really. There's no incentive to grind PvP. Uh, personally, in beta, I do like the new PvP system, though, a lot more than the old system. I do like the map. We haven't had a map change yet. That's coming up soon, I believe. Uh, but we've had the tower change and the clean fight to the gold rush change, which makes a nice change in the PvP. It keeps it uh, a little fresh. It's like a new sprinkling of seasoning every week. We just have to see how though it goes over time when you've seen the same map five times and the same modifiers on that same map. But there is room to continuously uh, like add new maps in and new modifiers in. Maybe rotate some of the ones that have been in for the longest out. Like the Dragon Tower, if that's been in like three months or six months, rotate that out so it can't even pop up. But add a new tower design in, like that could work quite well. Like you brought up before, the gap between killing Drac in the final zone and then going for Anixia, there's that big gap there. From the lowest army level kill, which is what, 24.9, shows that it is possible quite early to kill Anixia with a massive level difference. But I think that's the exception, not going to be, it's not the rule. We know that raids unlock at 60 skulls, uh, which is when you get clear to the fifth, uh, the final zone. So that would be interesting to see what raids will do. Will they give massive XP to your current loadout? So you kind of want to play with a leader and minis that you want to take to Anixia? Or will there still be that big gap? Um, that would be interesting to see where the raids sort of fit in and if they can bridge that gap or not. I think overall, I still enjoy the game. It's still fun. They've done a lot of... I still think the foundation of the game is solid. The PvP ranking needs more tuning, but I think the limited amount of players in beta hinders proper testing of that. So hopefully then maybe they can increase the number of invites in beta like a lot before release to try and flesh out the PvP ranking a bit more and try and nail that down before soft release. And the surge modes, like Spanner said, they're getting a bit repetitive. They're still pretty fun. Some of the... I definitely prefer the mode where it's the map modifier. Um, like every mini has blood lost or you have 300% um, passive gold income and you get to use your own loadout. Uh, that can be quite fun. Like you can use old Murkai with one of the gold ones and you can just have like a mean Murloc spamming across the map. That's actually quite fun. And you get five different maps with that. So you can play essentially five different leaders and try five different loadouts where it's just chaos fun. Um, the one of the surge events where you play with the two different families 
depending on the two family combinations and the two maps, oh sorry, and the zone that you get, which can be from the first zone, Elwyn Forest, right to the Black Rock, which is a lot harder mechanically and spawns in harder, harder minis to play against. Some combinations feel like they're amazing. It's better than a deck that you can make because you have so many minis. Like I think Black Rock and Undead actually felt really good to play together. I think that was this week. And Black Rock and Horde felt really good because they do have minis that cover all weaknesses and they don't have like just one or two ranged to say kill the gargoyle they have like four five six minis that do really well so it's not like you're having to cycle try and cycle through like eight minis to get one range mini and then that one range mini is pretty weak because it's like say murloc tide hunters which is a cycle range mini so if you get a good family combo it feels good sort of on any zones regardless of if they're harder or easier uh if you get a bad combo i think it was like beast and undead who don't have many anti-range and then you get like a map a zone that has like play one of the dragons bosses to kill that can feel really punishing and it can feel like flight of the whelps was a good example of that one and you got like whelps which already do quite well against squishy ranged units when there's quite a few of them you got to get where to the end boss and then the uh, the dragon does aoe damage as well unless you can turn him around to say with like cool boar from the beast family or something like that or earth elemental so i think maybe they need to limit the combinations of families or add in more minis to round out each family so they're more well-rounded and then maybe limit which zones can be played especially earlier on in the game when there's an influx of new players or just in general whenever there's a new player and the surge event comes around the two family combos will be locked to l1 forest for the first surge event and then the zone, the second zone will be for the special um, surge modifier and then next time it will be zone two for the uh two family combination and zone three for the modifier i think that would be go a long way to easing new players into the surge event because say if we have a player and they power ahead and they clear to five zones quite quickly and then they get a harder family combination with the highest level zone they've cleared that could feel really punishing and like it's unachievable in some cases um I know some of the fights I've had to redo like 10 times, maybe more. And eventually you you get down pattern and you learn which minis to play and you sort of know the order that they're coming in. But it does take some time and it feels like, is this worth it for the 60 gold? It's, I think it could be changed to make it more new player friendly, especially for like players that uh, you know, can't come in and they're completely fresh to the game and then they get their first surge event within like a few days of them starting and they're like, okay, like, got the two families. They probably only know like 12, like a dozen minis in the game that they've got unlocked and then all of a sudden they're given this full like two families worth to play. It'd be quite yeah. challenging on some of the harder maps if they've 
somehow progressed with like save you like I think you did a playthrough with the starting minis only spanner. How far did you get? How hard did you find that to get like four zones in? I, I think I'm I met like twenty eight skulls with the starting minis and then uh, and then I got busy and I had to do other things. And then I realized that uh, nobody, not even one person asked me to, oh, uh, are you going to resume that series with the starting minis? <laughs> so yes, so I said, okay. So there's a lot of interest out there for people watching the starting minis, watching me suffer free to play with the starting minis. So I have that one in the back burner, but um, since nobody's uh, particularly interested to see the starting minis play together, I um, I prioritize other things for now. So I think that uh, just on the subject there of what you're saying, if the, when the game starts, the new players getting bad combinations of uh, of families in the search mode. So that will straight away that that will lose uh, players to the game because imagine yeah. that there is a guildy and they play World of Warcraft together, and then. Uh, Arclight Rumble comes out and they say, oh, let's try this game together. And then a couple of plays, they actually bothered to have a look at the minis sequence and they were able to beat the boss. And then the other ones tried a couple of times and they just failed because of the, the minis available. And then the window to clear the surge mode ends and then the guys that actually killed it, that extra 40 or 60 gold if they have the Arclight booster, was enough for them to get an extra talent or something or or an extra probably not talent at that stage but an extra leader or or regular unit and then they say oh you were able to buy it that extra unit but i i was just short of gold because of that arc light surge that i couldn't complete straight away the player will have a feeling they're already missing out in in uh, progression at the cru crucial stage of the beginning of the game so immediately in their brain, they will start to develop emotions of negative emotions of I'm missing out, I'm behind. The game isn't fair because that guy could do it and I couldn't because he had more time to try that thing. And why do they make this so unfair and everything? This player this play is going to leave. So they are going to leave purely by virtue of bad design of Arclight Surges. Because like there needs to be a balance. Some of them are incredibly easy. You could, as I said earlier, you could literally cover the screen and just drop things on the battlefield and you will win. And some of them, they feel extremely unfair. So, and it's just the same like you, Gora. I love the ones with the map modifiers. And that, the, those are the ones that I always do first. And I collect my gold. And the ones with the mix of two families, I kind of dread them. And I only do them when they are about to expire, just because I start to feel bad about losing the gold. I understand that they are really good for people to try units that they didn't have access to buy. And I see a lot of value in that. I just think that if they modified it a little bit, we could have that uh, amazing value of being able to test units, but also uh, have a gameplay which is a bit more fair, more logical more fun and satisfying to actually complete that specific uh, arc light area yeah I, I just think some family combinations at the moment is just really hard so the solution i think is either add more minis in to have ro more well-rounded families um which is a good and a bad thing 
is you could make families feel more generic and more like each other. Uh, but it would help out with the surge event. Or you could just have some family combinations not be applicable. I think like Beast and Undead was not fun. But if you have like Horde and Undead, that works. Or Blackrock and Undead, that works, you know, really well. They sort of cover each other's weaknesses. So I put a, I put a post in a Reddit linking to my video where I discuss my dislikes about better right now. Yeah, mm, yeah and, I saw that conversation actually. And uh, like I got like five downvotes because I can see here. It doesn't show to you, but I can see in the... When, you know, when you make a post, you have the extra data available to you. So then I went there. And I put, I, I would like to invite any potential downvoters to discuss the points in the video which you will disagree. I understand that it requires a bit more effort than a click, but it will benefit the game. Thank you. And then I started, and then I started to get up votes because the people like it is okay. I can't, I shouldn't just come here and downvote. Now I need to explain my counter argument why I am downvoting. So <laughs> it's like. I, they, People are just like I, I, you know. People they want to they want to interact with things, but they don't even know what they're talking about. They just they give you up votes and down votes for no reason without trying to add any value to the conversation. Or I like it's just really dumb. If I go to uh, read a post or whatever, and I have no idea what the hell the person is talking about, I'm not going to downvote the person. That's because you're a sane, rational person, which is extremely rare on the internet nowadays. I'm really happy if people don't agree with me. I just want them to say, yes, Pana, I see your point, but I don't agree because of this, so I, I don't like your comment here. I'm perfectly fine with that, but, like, sheep mentality is really stupid, man. Um, that was fine. I was watching an Asmongold video today. The new terminology for, like, Twitch chats is called chatters. Chatters? Like, chatters, yeah. And he's like, oh, um... I want to argue this point with this chatter, but like I just argue with somebody else. I'm like, I'm gonna uh, like my cool, it's like on a 10 minute cooldown. I'll get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Because uh, he's like told, he's gone like this whole thing of like trying not to argue with like these bait comments. And he yeah. just can't help himself. He's just, <laughs> he's just got to bite. It's so funny. So thank you, Gora, for such a very valuable and uh, insightful explanation about your views on the, on beta at the moment. I actually really enjoyed to listen to you, um, all your points. But Tab, I was I have to be honest with you, I was a little bit concerned when I heard you say that uh, what's going to happen to raids and everything will have a big impact on your decision about the future of the game. So can you expand a bit more on it? Because like you are such a valuable member of the guild and and the community and the podcast. And you are also a streamer and you were doing an excellent job in my eyes when you're covering the game. Do you want to expand a bit more about the, the way you feel about the game? And like, because if we are at the risk of possibly losing in quotes someone like you then it is a bit of a dire straits here because players like you like really improve the game even in the way you tested how much passion you had for the game how fast you climb in the game all the interactions you had so if 
even we are at risk of losing a player like you, then I'm really concerned. So do you want to expand a bit more about your feelings about the game? Because I, I'm really interested about it. And if you are not happy to expand on it, then I won't put this in, in the podcast and I will cut it off. No, I, I can expand. Um, I think, like anything, I dove into something and consumed way too much of it and got burnt out really quick. But I, like I said earlier, I don't want to continue to put hours into the game if the game's going to be reset. I, I, I'm sure there's others that feel the same way. Uh, I am still playing. This not anywhere near what I was. Um, I have been playing a lot of Merc Eye because uh, it's fun just to drop a bunch of stuff and watch it run across the screen. Um, but other than that, I I I, I have I I think I played maybe ten to fifteen games of PvP and I I I, I just playing against bots. It's, it's not fun to me uh, in PvP. Again, not a big PvP player when it comes to games like this. I'd rather have raids and content and 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 continue to, to beat stuff or compete against other people and beating things. But the thing is, is how are they going to do the raids? Like, um, you can max Valor out really quick. You can buy all the units pretty quick if you play especially with all the new game modes and the ways to get gold. Um, the change in the XP allowed you to climb a bit quicker. Um, so what they do with the raids is, I, like I said, it's going to make and break what I do because if you're not getting anything special, what's the point of the raids? And then also they need to do something with the guilds maybe guild versus guild or just something to bring the guild together because right now it's just a bunch of people sitting in a room with a, a name on top of it. There's there's nothing to it. And the game doesn't give you an option to kick people out of the guild. So I need to be there asking them nicely to leave when they join so we we have the slots for actual guildies. <laughs> That's crazy that the guild leader can't uh, kick people. That's weird. Yeah, after six after six months of beta, they don't even have a button yet for you to remove people from the guild. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> uh, there's this. I, it's just a lot of oversight, I think, on their side. I don't know if they have too many ideas and they just don't know how to do it, or their passion has been lost because that passion from that first trailer. Like, that's what got everyone excited, and then they haven't had anything since then. Imagine if they put out another trailer like that, the excitement people would have. Like, it's, I, don't get me started on their uh, promotional and stuff. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I think we created really high expectations for ourselves with oh, what we sure. have seen. What we have seen, I think we are, I would say we are guilty as well. Because we we were very naive. So we saw what happened in the beginning of May. And we created these childish expectations of fun, enthusiasm and community and everything. And we really thought that this is going to happen. Because that's the way they were coming across in the first days and in the trailer and all that. But then reality started to set in. In the end of the day, it's a business. And... 
And all that thing about free-to-play friendly, it looks like he's going in the direction of uh, let's try to get what we can out of people. And all this community thing. As soon as people uh, like Genocell and others in Discord made any slight criticism on what they were producing, they were started to be blanked or... Um, uh, or started to get uh, copy-paste uh, corporate answers instead of that personal connection that people had in the beginning to actually do things together to have a, a nice result as a community working together with devs. I think this development team does not accept criticism well. I think the Arclight Rumble team, they are all smiles and hugs every time you say something good about the game, but at the, mo the first moment that you say, oh, guys, actually, maybe this is probably not the right way, you will immediately feel the coldness from their side and the corporate side will come out immediately. This is translating in the content that is available to us and the lack of information that we have. It is very sad to be trying to support people that don't accept criticism. And this is the reality that I can see right now. I don't know what is your opinion, guys. Look at Genocell. It breaks my heart. The guy was there daily giving hours of his life, trying to trying to promote the game, trying to... I know that sometimes he was kind of a little bit... Uh, the language he used, he wasn't like on point and stuff like that. And I, I get that, but there was passion coming through. Well, without Gino streaming at the beginning, I don't think I would have done as well as I did when I finally got beta. I 100% agree. Gino was a... Gino was a pillar was a guy that I fully respect, and I, he did a lot for the game in those first months. And uh, I think the moment, and he used to have uh, daily interactions with devs and stuff like that. The moment that he started to criticize things like dungeon design and everything, they started to blank him straight away, and they started to be less responsive. And this is very concerning, that people cannot accept uh, negative feedback, and they just retract to their shell, just because you are not saying that they are the most fabulous and incredible. People should be able to interact with both positive and negative feedback. But and this is my opinion. The, Go ahead, Top. Sorry. To be, to be fair, if you if you walked up to someone and told them they have the ugliest kid on earth, I'm sure they would be pretty upset too. We have to I'm I'm trying not to defend them because I feel there's a lot of things they're doing wrong. But this is their their baby, right? This is their brainchild. They're it, they're looking at it like a parent, and we're attacking their child. So I I can understand that feeling of um, they're putting a lot of their heart and soul into this, and people have criticisms, and and that's fine. And I I I can totally see how they. They would feel because if I created something and someone came to me and said, "Oh, I can do it better," that that would upset me, and 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 rightfully so. Um, but in the end, if they want to make money, it's people like us and the community that that play their game, Gino and 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 people like uh, Mikey Mike as well, uh, tossing it back old times. Um, Without these people, uh, they, they don't have a game, right? Uh, without us, they don't have a game. Without the player base, there's no game. 
it it's it there is a game but it no one's playing it they're not making money and then they move on to something else and their baby just sits there and dies like look at games like uh clash and and games like that look how long they've been around my girlfriend still plays clash of clans like she still logs in and does their events and stuff like for that, that to me, that's crazy. I don't have the only game I have like that is Hearthstone, like another Blizzard game. Like, and the only part of Hearthstone I like anymore is Battlegrounds, and they're turning that into a money grab too, with all the different characters and stuff and things you can buy. And then I had over fifty thousand gold ready to go, and then they started using runes. So now I, the gold is useless, and now. I have to buy runes if I want to do anything where I was just collecting gold throughout the season and buying battle pass with the gold. So I understand they have to make money, but they also have to please the audience to make the money. And I don't think they're doing that. Yeah, they're certainly trying because uh, they don't want uh, things to fail. But I think the way they're going about it is not right. I think <laughs> just I don't get it. Gore has been too quiet. I need some criticism from him. I don't want to hear you saying good things. I want to hear. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Go ahead. Go ahead. We provide when we say something like that. We don't like something in the game. It's not an attack on any individual person. It's not an attack on the Arclight Rumble team. It's trying to provide feedback on a part of the game. Or aspect that we don't enjoy, don't like, to facilitate communication, to provide feedback, to try and make the game better as a whole. I think all of us here, and everyone like in our guild, and probably most people that check like the Reddit or the Discords related to war, all want the game to succeed and be successful. Because if it's successful and fun, we get another game to play and we actually might end up with a really good mobile game that we can play uh, which I think in my opinion is quite few and far between which provides another avenue for us to do a hobby that I think most gamers love to do and we can do that wherever we are with our mobile and internet connection and not just when we're at home so it provides a lot of opportunities to do our hobby on the go, essentially. You know, commuting to work on our lunch break, you know, sitting on an aircraft or in an air, you know, airport terminal waiting for our flight or whatever. Yeah, we just don't want to see this fail, die, go down the drain in any way. I'd really like to see War succeed. I think it's a great game and has great potential and could hopefully provide a new fresh take on mobile games and actually prove to a lot of the old school hardcore pc and console players that not every single mobile game has to be a you know sugar-coated cash grab to try and like suck your wallet dry but you know it actually can be fun engaging and rewarding long term we're like you know other games are like on pc and console totally yes yeah, so just want to see the game succeed in the best possible way it can 
and I think maybe on our point, from our point of view, like maybe our we are being sometimes too harsh in our criticism uh, because we're too passionate about wanting to see the game succeed as well. And I don't think any of us really ever mean to come across as being like disrespectful or hateful towards anyone on the war team at all. Oh, 100%. It's just if we don't speak now, we will regret it later when the game eventually could fail that we had a, a window or an opportunity to try to let them know how we feel and we didn't utilize it. So this is exactly the moment for us to voice our opinions because later it might be too late and it, it, it might be almost irreversible in terms of reputation, in terms of players lost. But like when they make decisions, like you said, uh, we have a, ch a chance to um, prove to these PC players that uh, mobile games are not just cash grabs and everything. Uh, yes, we have a very good chance here. And um, But when you make a decision to increase the gold chests from two to more chests, in what part there is actually benefiting the player base? What part there is actually dispelling the concept of mobile games being a cash grab? Uh, in, in in what is the actual benefit of that change apart from filling up their wallets and when you say rightly so tap they see this as their baby I think for the three of us and other people out there I know that we we didn't work in the game not even half a percent compared to what they did but the time that we are invested in the in this game and content creation covering the game and our relationships in Discord with the community and all that, this also starts to feel a little bit like our baby or let's say our nephew because we care so much, we have so much emotional investment in this game already. So when we feel like our voice doesn't matter and our voice only matters if we say something praising the game or highlighting how fantastic the war team is, that's not good. There should be a bigger interaction, acknowledgement in this and discussion in all points of view. I think egotistic attitudes could lead to the demise of the game, but we will see what happens. You know, we are not in that office. We don't know the personalities. We don't know uh, the the way people think. But right now, what we've seen in the beginning of May and what I'm seeing now is day and night. And the direction that I was seeing for the game then and now is day and night. We will see what happens. I want to be positive, but some things I don't like what I'm watching right now. And time will tell. So why why is our guild successful? First of all, we were extremely lucky with the pool of players available to join our guild. So that is a given. Second of all, Every time somebody offers anything uh, suggesting about the guild, oh, uh, Spanner, we could do this a bit better. Do you know what I do? I know that probably I have more free time than the Blizzard developers, but you know what I do? I go on a DM and I discuss the situation with the person and I filter all the positive things that are constructive and I apply it to the guild. And if there's anything that uh, is not um, feasible or... It doesn't work well for the long-term health of the guild. I will explain to the person why 
and give them a chance to communicate with me. And in the, in the end of it, we, we come up with a positive outcome. And my ego doesn't matter at all in those conversations. If they criticize anything that I've done in the guild, it doesn't matter at all to me. All I'm looking for is what part of this information benefits the guild as a whole, the big picture. What will benefit the guild in one year time? What will benefit the guild in five years time? And this is what I care about. And this is a basic principle that I'm not always see being applied in the way they are developing the game right now. Uh, I think we all had very valid points. And again, it's not a bash on the devs or the games. We just, we have high expectations and we want to see the game exceed. So uh, hopefully they don't take that the wrong way. We, we're just really passionate about the game. Moving on to Soul Reaver. He uh, beat Anoxia at level army level 24.9, which is the lowest that we know of so far. Uh, party to beat. Um, Spanner. Anoxia. Whatever. <laughs> How do you say it? Anoxia. Anoxia. He never makes sense. He never makes sense anyway. So why stop him now? So before I was rudely interrupted, I was going over Soul Reaver uh, uh, defeat of Anoxia. Anoxia? I, you know what? Now you have an alpha stuff. I'm going to say Oni. He starts with the letter O. Yeah. Anoxia. Oh. So moving on, uh, we're going to go over Soul Reaver's Anoxia. Uh, did I say it right or did you come with me now? Sorry, oh. it, it hasn't changed at all. Oh. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm not being condescending. I'm just trying to help you. So, say Oni. Oni. Okay, and now add Ixia to it. Uh, Onyxia. Add Xia to it. Onyxia. Onyxia, yeah. That's it, that's it. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Moving on, we're going to talk about Soul Reaver and Onyxia. Uh, and his army that beat her at 24.9, which is the lowest that we know of so far. Spanner had the foresight of sitting down with Soul Reaver and asking some questions so we could uh, kind of do a one-sided interview almost. Like, he did the interview, but he's not here, which would be awesome if we could bring him in here and talk. Uh, but at least we got some we got some questions and answers from him. We're going to do a mock interview. Uh, Gore and I will ask the questions and Spanner will answer them, but with Soul Reaver's responses uh, that he gave Spanner earlier. So I'll, I'll do the first question. How does it feel to have accomplished such a feat? Hi guys, I'm Soul Reaver. So I feel really happy that I got to beat Onyxia after so many defeats. I still hear how fortunate my next meal wanders willing to my lair even now so this is what onyxia says during the fight he says the fight was fun engaging difficult and well designed all right next question two did you always know from the start of beta that you would be using this deck for onyxia or was it just a fortunate coincidence that it worked well so my initial plan at the start of beta was make a build with all undead units which include baron necromancer Meatwagon, Skeleton Party, Banshee, Skeletons, and Cheat Dev. I realized early on 
that a damage spell like Blizzard will be better than a situational cheat dev spell. A Quillbor will do whatever skeletons are supposed to do, but 10 times better. And as for the Drake, I just added it because I was having a hard time against Bombard units. Plus, it was really good against ground units. So I had a 8 total units that I leveled up side by side for the PvE campaign, which were the same units that I used for Onyxia. Skeleton party had to sit this one out though. Which units were the MVPs of your deck during the fight? Well, I think all the units had their own part to play. Necromancer and Drake were the defenders of my base. Quillbore and Blizzard helped slow down the enemy on their tracks. Baron played a hybrid role of taking chests, running quickly to defend, and then go for one or two hits on Onyxia. Meatwagon was the main damage source on Onyxia due to his long range. While Banshee was used the least in the match, mostly for gargoyles, in phase 3 it was her to shine by possessing the guardians, which due to their resist rate and high HP, stay alive and deal quite a lot of damage to Onyxia. Question 4 is how many tries did it take to kill Onyxia? I reached phase 3 on the first day, but it took a week after to get past the matches that were either draws or that had earth elementals running like flash towards my base. Many times it seems like it was impossible, but like the restless dead, I never gave up and kept rising. So question five, what would you have done differently if you started beta again to make the kill even faster or easier? Oh, so um, if I had a second chance at a fresh start with the knowledge I have now, and purpose to kill Onyxia, I would play Rand, assuming that he doesn't get nerfed. I would also buy the booster to make the kill even faster. Baron, due to his skeleton ability, makes the fight harder compared to other leaders. I had to figure out a precise timing and placement to keep my Drake alive, which would otherwise die because the skeleton's popping up the eggs. Sometimes the skeletons will break eggs while my cobalt was mining gold, and my necromancer was locked on an earth elemental, so the whelplings killed my cobalt and necromancer as well. I had to separate the timing of cobalt from the skeleton spawns to prevent that. Also had to station my meat wagons a bit far from the route the skeletons took, otherwise they would push meat wagon into Onyxia, wasting my gold and offensive potential. However, since I beat Onyxia with Baron, it means it's possible and anyone who likes playing with Baron can do it, if they are willing to. Also, Baron is more fun and really good for the PvE campaign. So question 6, do you think Baron is essential to get it done at such a low army level, or is it all about the regular units involved? Well, the low levels were because of free-to-play, and instead of grinding to 27, I wanted to take it as a challenge and attempt it. It should be easier with more levels, especially with talents on units like Baron. Okay, so I'm Spanner again. Uh, I would just like to add that uh, it is very impressive what Soul River did. He did everything as a free-to-play player. Uh, he had talents missing on three units. And uh, he did it with a leader that actually can be problematic because of the skeletons spawning towards the eggs. So massive, massive props for Soul River for defying the odds and for doing something that many people would considering close to impossible at army level 24.9. I think what he did will inspire people to create uh, decks in a certain way. And uh, now I feel 
confident that it's probably possible to beat Onyxia at around army level 23 for the skilled players out there. I think the perception early was maybe 26 uh, was the the best people could do around maybe 25 at a push, but at least it's starting to look like 23 is probably possible as well. I don't know what is your guys' opinion about that. Oh, I mean, five levels, five to six levels, I think is an incredible feat. If anyone can beat that, um, I don't think it would be that much slower. You just start getting into like the realm of like what a mini should counter just doesn't based on it being such a lower level. Like I think yeah. Drake, Drake won't be able to go too low. Like it won't go about to go past the point where it doesn't kill the whelps in one breath attack. Yeah, I think the Drake is actually not too bad because I think the breath will. I think probably even like a, a level 18 Drake can kill the whelps with the breath because the breath has a lot of ticks. But I struggle to see how a Dark Spear Troll or Necromancer will be able to clear the other side. I think any lower you definitely need Rend because you need uh, a Drake on each side. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think the single target units will have that much success. Because the they will require like three hits or something. Yeah, yeah, the only one that will probably be useful apart from Ren would be Firehammer with the 50% extra damage. But even that, it's not going to be as low as Rend will be able to do. Is Rend essentially is a second Drake. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. The Firehammer might bring it quite low, but I th yeah, I think the Drakes are just ahead of anyone else in terms of egg killing potential. What's your opinion, Top? Do you what army level will do you predict will be the first player to kill Onyxia when the game launches? I think it will probably be be between probably about 26. I don't think it'll be as low as 24, 25, unless it's done by someone that knows the fight very, very well. I still think I, I we don't and we don't know if it's going to be tweaked again. Units are being tweaked, which caused some. Some different issues like uh, the gargoyle is now causing a little bit of pain for me when I've did some attempts because now I have to deal with the gargoyle just ignoring everything and just going straight for the base and it does a lot of damage to your base at level thirty. Oh, yeah. So yeah, it's insane. I think it's like six. It was six hitting at my barracks for me, and three hitting my towers. Yeah, so that's a little ridiculous, and he takes a lot of hits to take down. Yeah, my strategy for dealing with the gargoyle was pyromancer, but the pyromancer took was seemed to be bogged with the um, talent that did like the fifty percent extra damage for the car twenty five percent longer cast time. So the first hit would be like do good damage to the gargoyle, and then after that, every other hit was like half of that initial first. Yeah, so the Pyromancer would kill the Gargoyle after the Gargoyle killed my tower. And then the Pyromancer would take the tower back for me. Um, do you know what will be the ultimate Arclight Surge? Doing it on Ixia with the combination of uh, random units. <laughs> oh, if anybody could do that, that will be the biggest feat in the game. Imagine doing on Ixia with the co with random units appearing in your deck. You know, but I want to see someone do a Nixia kill with old Murkai. I think that will be easily possible. Uh, because one one thing about Murkai is that 
Uh, I see a lot of people using cycle units with Murkai. You don't have to. The only thing you have to take in consideration is you cannot have a deck with Murkai and six gold cost units because there will be a point where the march of the Marlocks will expire and you have like three or four gold available that you didn't use. But you, you could easily... Yeah, like yeah. a good well-rounded, like have like a five cost, a four cost, a three cost, and a two cost mini. I believe yeah, something like that. But yeah. I believe March of the yeah. Murlocs is actually bugged as well. Like, there's times where it doesn't give me the full duration of of the ability. Like, if I play a second one during the same timer, it'll just stop, and I don't get a second timer. Or, oh, okay. or there's times where I've played it and I've played three units and it goes away. Like, it doesn't give me the full 10 seconds. All right. I think we should wrap it up right there. We've been talking for quite some time. I want to thank uh, Gora and Spanner for uh, being here today. Um, again, this was podcast episode 22. Uh, we're getting up there. I'd like to thank everyone for uh, listening. Uh, if you've been here for all 22 episodes, uh, please uh, give us a comment down below. Show, show, let's see who's out there that's actually been around since day one or has gone back and listened to previous episodes. That would be interesting to see how many out there are actually uh, listening every week. But I want to thank everyone. Uh, thank you, Gora. Thank you, Spanner, for uh, some great conversations today. And I enjoy doing this every week with you guys. Yeah, same here. Yeah, same. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I want to corroborate what Pap uh, said. Uh, it's always nice to have some feedback. We do this because uh, we have the intention to discuss the game and, and support the game. But it's always nice to have some continuous exchange of views after the podcast is released by using the comments platform and um, we know the people that always come in and, and uh, make a nice comment and uh, we thank you for that but you know if you listen to this um, regularly uh, let us know in the comments and uh, give us a chance to thank you for for your support have a great week everyone and uh, what about you gora i was just thinking um leave a comment and have a if you got a suggestion for a topic that you want us to you know talk about that will always be um good to have some input as well for us uh though you know more ideas more people more opportunities to talk about other things that we may not think of and yeah just thanks again everyone for tuning in listening watching uh have a good week uh we'll see you next week and yeah thank you so this episode episode 22 will be the last one for the time being Thank you to everyone that has been supporting our podcast and following our content. Sadly, we do not believe that there are currently enough interactions and support from the development team uh, in terms of our content. So we will happily return to the podcast when there is a greater justification for our efforts and time investment. Once again, we really appreciate anyone that has been supporting us so far. And thank you very much.